I was 25 years old. I put everything on the line to open this business. The reality is that 50% of small businesses fail within the first five years. To be a successful owner, you need to adopt the mindset that you work for your employees. Enough with theory. I want to hear from somebody who's been there and done that. This is I Want to Hear Your Story by Dave Bloom, a podcast that offers real-life lessons, education, and inspiration for small business owners and employees. Hey, this is Dave. This podcast interviews small business owners and employees whose experiences educate and inspire others in the midst of their journey. This is our first podcast, and I'm hanging out with AJ Scordio, who handles all the marketing for Pioneer Truck Service. Today, we'll be discussing a little bit about my background and why I decided that it was important for us to put together this podcast. Let's talk a little bit about when you were starting out, and I know a lot of the hardships that you endured in your early years. Talk a little bit about your story and kind of the low points where you felt like, Am I going down the path? Really? I don't want to talk about the low points, <laughs> but I guess we should. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Let, let's start off from the beginning. I was never into going to school. And even still to this day, if you put me in a classroom situation, I'll start drifting off and thinking about other things and forget what the topic was even and struggle with it. Initially, I thought that there was something maybe a little bit wrong with me that I should be able to learn more in a classroom situation that maybe I should have gone to college and I should have learned all these things. But with me personally, like it never would have worked. Like they could have accepted me into any college they wanted. I would have flunked out of it. Actually, I wouldn't have flunked out of it because I didn't flunk out of high school either. I was just very particular on what days of the week I felt like going and not going, which kind of drove my mom crazy more than anything. Like I really didn't have a whole lot of focus on things at the time. I changed jobs a couple of times. My dad was a real estate broker. So when I basically figured out after half a semester at community college that I wasn't going to be a college student, it was a pretty easy transition to get in a car and go to work with him. But after being in a very, very bad economy and actually losing my dad who passed away at that time, I started to think like, what do I want to do that would be interesting to me that would be more of a sustainable income? At that point, with thinking about what my passion was and stuff, it went back to my early days of being in my garage and taking things apart and putting things back together, starting with a riding lawnmower that I built that was really cool looking and had an exhaust pipe made out of my mom's vacuum cleaner pipe, which was devastatingly fast, but tore up our lawn really bad. And I was told, actually, I wasn't allowed to put it on the lawn anymore. And then started thinking, like, what do I want to do? Like, what would be fun to go do every day and get paid for it? And it brought me back into the automotive field and where I started with my first job as a tire mounter. I thought that that would be a good path. But I never really looked at it as entrepreneurial until I started not liking some of the bosses that I worked for. What do you feel like you were talented at? I thought that I was talented mechanically, but I always thought that I just had good people skills and I had the ability to let people know that I'm ethical and trust in me and build relationships with people. That has, I would say, always been my strong point. But owning my own business is also very interesting and shows you how unclear a path that I actually had because I was in auto repair. 
I went back to work as a manager for the tire shop that I originally was a tire mounter in. But after deciding that I wanted to own my own shop, I bumped into somebody that was actually selling a truck repair shop. And I thought, I don't know, auto repair, truck repair. I don't know, how difficult could it be to figure this one out? And it seemed like a better opportunity at the time. So I actually switched over from auto repair to truck repair and bought a truck repair shop without ever even having driven a truck or worked on a truck before, <laughs> which was really, uh, made my first couple of days especially very interesting. You really dove headfirst into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, into like a very shallow pool. <laughs> <laughs> when you were starting out, you mentioned that your wife was an integral part of it. Yeah. My wife, Cindy, is, if I had to like say the one reason why we were able to stick it out as long as we had, it's because of the hard work of my wife and our ability to just kind of make it on one income until we were able to get things going and start to actually take home a regular paycheck. Yeah. But um, a lot of people don't realize that, that there's, you need that support. No one gets there on their own. Even if people do say, oh, yeah, I started from nothing. I, you know, built it myself. There's always people along the way that have helped you. Still got to eat, you yeah. know, and um, and it, it's kind of funny. And li- listen, there were times when it was pretty difficult between us with this kind of stuff. And I remember this one absolutely specific time. I could tell you where we were. We were on a Robin Moses Causeway Bridge and we were coming back from something and we're in a car and it was just two of us. And she looked over at me and said, when do you think this business might start producing some income? And I just remember fucking losing it. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm working 70 hours a week. I'm going crazy. I can't do anymore. You know, and, and like the height of total frustration when it's not even just that you're failing yourself, but like when you feel like you're failing your family and stuff. So, you know, you read about people having their back up against the wall. You read about people, you know, burn your boat so that you have to take the island. There's no going back and things along those lines stuff. And that was the situation I was in because I absolutely would have gone out and got a job working for somebody else. And I absolutely would have made pretty decent money working for somebody else with my experience and my personality and whatnot. But I couldn't go back because I owed so much money. I owed money to vendors. I owed money to tax people. The tax people were the worst because even if the vendors hated me forever for for bailing on them and not paying them or if I had to go work for them and do stuff to make it up. That's all great. But the tax money that I owed, I owed sales tax money. I owed federal IRS withholding money from people's paychecks and things like that. And there was no going back. Like I had to keep going in order to have any chance of ever paying the stuff off. Now, backtrack a little bit with the IRS stuff, you know, just so people don't think you're a crook. (laughs) But I I am a crook, AJ. (laughs) (laughs) Explain a little bit about that. What was the root? Like that was, what was the root of? Oh my God. My tax struggles came. They actually started immediately in business because I hired like the absolute cheapest accountant that I could find. I think it was like $50 a month or something like that. I thought that was a great deal. And again, I wasn't a crook. I was just a dopey kid who like didn't take it seriously. I just thought I knew everything when I went into business. I started to realize that being, being a businessman isn't always so cool. So the IRS, I owed the money and 
I would get a notice in it. And the notice said, notice of intent to levy. And I'm like, I don't exactly know what levy is. Like, I thought there was like something that held back large pools of water or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I got a call from Mr. Militano from Bank of Babylon at the time. And he said, Dave, he goes, the IRS took all the money out of your checking account this morning. <laughs> and I said, well, Mr. Militano, like, how does that happen? And he says, no, didn't you get any notices from them or anything? I said, well, I got this thing, notice of intent to levy. And he's like, shithead. He goes, they told you they were going to take your money and you didn't do anything. I said, all right, I don't know what to do now. He says, well, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to come up with the money. I, I have a bunch of checks that are posted to be cleared by me. And if you don't come up with the money, I have to bounce them. So it wasn't just that they took money out of my account that was laying in my account. They took money out of my account that was covering checks that were in the mail to people. And one of the things I never, ever did in business, I would tell somebody I don't have the money before I bounce a check. I don't know that I've ever intentionally bounced a check, ever. I would just not do that. I would just rather come clean and just take my whipping and go, I don't have the money. How low were you at that point? This woman came down from New York State sales tax, sat in my office, and she let me explain how I was catching up and I was going to do better. And she let me speak for about 15 minutes. And I thought I was doing great. I was telling how much better the business is doing and how I'm looking forward to catching up on the money that I owe them. And I went on for about 15 minutes thinking this lady is absolutely going to hug me and leave and everything's going to be fine. And then she looked up at me and this is exactly what she said. She said, are you done now? And then I knew I was in trouble. And I said, uh, yeah. She goes, now let me tell you how it's really going to f***ing work. You're going to pay New York State back the money that you owe them, and you're never, ever going to be late on a sales tax payment again. Or I'm going to come here next week and padlock every door on this building. Do you understand me? I remember being in the shower and washing my hair and with your eyes closed, just like dreaming and wishing that you didn't owe anybody money so you could just go get a job. Did anything change that got you out of that hole? A lot of the things changed through a very gradual change, almost like when you feel like sometimes you're not progressing and then you have to stop and look back 10 years and say, wow, I really did progress. So there was like a such a gradual progression up to, I'd say, around year 20 that got me to the point where I had money in the bank. I had good employees. I had a nice shop, but there was a huge void in me as a business person because I was still waiting for the accountant to tell me how I did every month. And I created systems to track some of these things on my own without even reading anything. I just figured out ways to start tracking things and keeping my own most rudimentary uh, sets of statistics and stuff like that. But I was sitting at my desk one evening and I'm looking at the pile of shit all over it and deciding whether or not I had the energy to keep going or if I was just going to go home at that point. And I get a call from a company named Drive, formerly known as Management Success. And the gentleman on the phone said, listen, we, we teach automotive people how to become business owners. And it just happened to be like, you could think in life that sometimes things are just guided to you, but I wish they would have guided them to me 20 years before that. But at least at that point, it was guided to me. And I said, wow, my God, that sounds amazing. So what do I have to do? And they said, well, we have this two-day seminar in Boston. And Boston's like a five-hour drive to where it was. But I was like, all right. And they said, well, wait a second. 
the one in Boston's next week, but we have one next month, five miles from your house. And I said, you know what? I, I don't want to wait another month. I don't want to wait another month. So I booked a hotel room in Boston and Cindy came up with me and we sat through our first seminar on how to become the proper shop owner. And from there, like the, the my life changed from there. It was just amazingly different. What was different about it? I started to realize that if I educated myself with the background that I had already developed at that point, if I educated myself and I tweaked a couple of things that, holy shit, like I could become a legitimate business owner. I might be able to actually make money at this and maybe have some time for myself. Is there anything you would have told 28-year-old version of yourself based off of what you know now? Around year 10, when I started actually taking home a paycheck, like a regular paycheck, not a stack of paychecks in my drawer. So what I started doing was I just started inventing different systems for myself, different ways to measure how we were doing on a weekly basis. Things that would have been probably a three-hour class took me five years to figure out on my own. If I had to look back, I'd say, I like get some, like learn from somebody. Don't try and figure all this shit out for yourself. It's not worth it. It's tough early on because you're also doing the work, right? So you're actually executing the craft. Yeah, which is an amazing problem in itself. And, oh man, like we could talk about this for hours, this subject, because one of the things that I even speak to my managers about is that there are times when you don't feel that you really did work unless you could actually measure it, if you could lift it and move it or install it or something like that. So especially as a young owner, I always wanted to prove like I was in the game, like that I was working really hard along with my crew. But one of the things that I learned from business training and stuff like that is that, especially in our industry, that you don't actually start being successful until you put away your toolbox. Or if you really want to keep your toolbox, but find somebody else to do the administrational stuff in the business. So to try and find that balance between doing the physical labor in the company, which meant a lot to me. I always felt good when I went home and, you know, I, I could say I did a whole clutch job today on a big truck or measure something like that. It really was the times when I was doing that, that the company itself was struggling the most. And what I learned was that it's difficult to give up that feeling of progress and doing something and stuff like that. But from the company standpoint, you're really hurting the company by doing that. If you think about like what I would say would be a really successful business, you would actually have people in that business that were all masters at different tasks. So you as a business owner would be masterful at, at looking at the future and coming up with innovations to move the company forward. And you would have different people in different positions that they were masters at. So you would have in the truck repair, you would have a master technician in the shop. And then you would have a master, a service person to make sure that the customers were being treated properly and that things were going on. You would have a master at finance because that person would be handling the financial aspect of the company. So realistically, I don't know that many people that can do all those different things masterfully. But when you're starting out, as when you're just getting the business going, don't you have to do all of them in order to get to the point where you're like, 
okay, now I have enough revenue that I could think about bringing in someone else to help me. And then let's try to scale this. Yeah, but not for a long period of time. I think that if you're a great technician, okay, almost everybody that starts out in truck repair starts out as a technician who just says, like, I I don't know why I'm doing this for this guy. You know, I'm the one that's carrying the load and I know everything, you know, and I was in that position. I was in that position more as a management person working for somebody. I think it's kind of, in a way, like an immature way to look at being in business and probably a good reason why so many young businesses fail because you get so wrapped up in things. You can't, I worked in the shop, so I could tell you I, I would be underneath the truck and thank God, like eventually we had cordless phones because in the beginning we actually had a freaking wire on the phone. Like we had two phones hanging over the workbench and it was like, you know, one was one line and one was the other line. And you had to actually be within the cord distance of that phone to speak on. It just shows you how fucking old I am. But, um, and I think they had dials on them too. I don't even think they were push button, <laughs> you know? And, and once we got cordless phones, like it was a lot better. And then I could actually lay under a truck and reinstall a transmission while I'm speaking to a customer about a different truck. And my bookkeeper is standing next to the truck because I could see her feet ready to ask me a question about somebody that wasn't paying us or somebody we owed money to that we didn't have the money to pay. You know, how, how do you run a successful business like that? You know what you do? You go home and you feel exhausted and you feel like you're never going to get anywhere. And where, what are we doing with this mess? I guess what you're saying is valid. Like you have to start off somewhere, but you can't stay like that for very long and be successful or else you're just going to be sticking the bills in your drawer that you can't pay. Right. You'll burn out. You definitely burn out. You definitely, and you burn out pretty quick too. And what, one of the other things that happens, and this is like something that happens with almost everybody in auto and truck repair is that, all right, so you're working in the shop. Your focus isn't on the business. Your focus is on what jobs are there in the shop and how am I going to get these things back to the customer right away? Because they're counting on me. That's really your mentality at that point. Okay. But there are other things that are going on that you're not handling. One of the worst things is writing the invoice. Okay. So you're working on this truck and you get it done and you're like, all right, pull outside, road test, it's ready to go. And then you're like, oh, well, like I need that truck tomorrow. So I'm going to go right over there. So you don't even, in the beginning, you might not even write down all the information you need to properly bill this person out. Right. So now you have the, the invoice for the parts laying on your desk and you make some notes maybe on, at first, maybe just on a piece of paper. You don't even have like a written work order or anything formal like that. And then you throw that on your desk and then you run out there and start working on the next vehicle. And then when you're done with that, you run out and start working on the next vehicle. And then you go back in and you're going to get changed. And you're like, I'm too tired to write these invoices. It's just more important for me to fix trucks at this point. Because tomorrow, this other guy needs his truck back right away. Then before you know it, there's two weeks worth of parts bills on your desk and two weeks worth of scraps of paper that you can't necessarily make out all the information on. And then you realize, hey, I have no money. Well, of course you have no money. You didn't you haven't written a bill in two weeks. Not to mention, you know, marketing, sales. Marketing? Who listen, I think you're the first person that ever invented marketing. <laughs> you know, like it was all marketing. Like we had this was our marketing. We had the yellow pages. But I couldn't afford to advertise in the yellow pages. Yellow pages is expensive. Right. Like if you even it was like um that Steve Martin movie, The Jerk. 
Like the first time that our name was even in, in the yellow pages or even the white pages, it was like, look, we're in the phone book. We're in the phone book. If there was a section for, say, truck parts in the yellow pages and that yellow pages book was on a desk in our shop, you didn't have to look through it alphabetically. You just look for the dirty pages. <laughs> Those right. were the ones that you wanted every time. <laughs> you you could like throw the thing on a desk and it would open to the page that you wanted almost. Yeah. You know? What other advertising was there? There was, you know, get in your car and knock on somebody's door and say, hey, listen, I'd like to work on your trucks. There was no other advertising. We met, what is it, a year, year and a half ago. Right. And I remember you telling me saying, AJ, I would never have entertained this a year before. So what changed from the year before to the moment when we met and the idea that you were open to marketing? I think I remember the day I met you, actually. We were at a golf outing for the uh, Long Island Builders Institute, Libby. And I was already reaching out to people and I was already communicating to people through newsletters. But I realized that I needed help. I really needed help in getting my thoughts and my writing and my newsletters and things like that out to people. And the people who I interviewed, because I I decided I was going to actually hire somebody to come in for a couple hours a week and be able to distribute my media better and stuff. And pretty much everybody I spoke to either didn't have a clue what they were doing or just thought that I was absolutely insane in the things that I wanted to do. And and then I had a chance meeting with you and you initially didn't think I was crazy. So I was like, wow, this guy's pretty cool. Or Or maybe I was just as crazy as you. You're just (laughs) crazy too, you know? And some of the ideas that you had and some of the ideas that I had kind of sounded like fun. And it was like, all right, let's give this thing a shot, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what's cool about what we're doing is because it's genuine. It's true to who you are. Right. And at the same time, it's also serving a long-term business purpose because you are branding yourself. You're getting awareness. As much as I want to encourage people to want to do business with our shop, because we are really a great shop and we have great people that really, really work very hard at being expert in everything that they do. Besides that, when I look back and I think about how do I want to be remembered? What's going to be my legacy? What, what inspires me? What makes me feel good? about what I'm doing, it always came back to helping other people. There were times, and there were even times recently where I would just feel so withdrawn and like not know what truly inspired me. And then I started really looking into what did inspire me and what made me feel better. And really, it always came back to helping other people. So as much as we wanted to use our marketing stuff and the stuff we've been doing for the last year to encourage people to come to Pioneer Truck Service and to have faith and trust in Pioneer Truck Service, it really kind of like morphed into how can we share our experiences with other people and make other people's lives better? Because as selfish as it sounds, that's really made me feel good. So if I can be selfish because it makes me feel good to help other people and I'm helping other people, well, wow, I want to be like extremely selfish. What has it meant to you in your lifetime to build the business up until what it is right now? Every time that I speak to somebody and tell them that we've been in business for almost 33 years now, it's a great sense of pride because of the fact that 
there really aren't too many businesses anymore that have been around for 33 years. So there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction and pride in just saying that. There's a tremendous amount of satisfaction and pride in the fact that I care more about my employees than I care about myself. And I truly, truly believe that and mean that. And to see them be successful and to see, we have pretty young staff, so to help them accomplish things and stuff that I struggled with in my life, those are the things that make me feel great. I'm so blessed with a beautiful, healthy family. You know, I'm just finding at 57 years old how important it is to be grateful for the things that you have. And, you know, it's easy, like when you're down and out sometimes to say, to stop and go, stop, let me think. This is all good and this is grateful. But honestly, like if you don't actually work at it on a daily basis, it never really sinks into the back of your head and you always feel unfulfilled. So helping other people has become something that is really, really kind of like my goal in life and the reason that we're doing this right now for survival in today's day and age. Like you have to be business savvy. Like you have to have some education you have to have people to mirror and mentor and, and ask people questions and stuff like that. And if anything, maybe this podcast will open people up to looking at people to mentor them more or, or, you know, making people have conversations with them about things that they need to work on. Hey guys, I hope everyone enjoyed our first episode. I'm really excited about some of the guests we have lined up. You can hear our podcast and find out more information about us on our website, pioneertruck.com, or on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow us. Talk to you all soon.